Welcome to the Motorsports in Focus podcast. I'm your host, David Santiago, joined by my co-host and producer, Joe McKinney. Hope you enjoy. All right, Joe, how are you doing? I'm just fine. How are you doing? Doing pretty good. It's a good Tuesday. Is it? Yeah. How do we quantify a good Tuesday? Is there is there a way to quantify it, or is it more as just a gut feeling? I, I think it's as long as it's not a bad Tuesday, it's probably a good Tuesday. Okay. Okay. Because it's the day after Monday, so it's hard for Tuesday to really be that bad anyway. So even if it's just an average Tuesday, it's because, pretty good. Because you're headed the right direction in the week. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Unless you have to work the weekend, in which case... Well, you know, that's... Yeah, that's unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, we uh, had an interesting weekend uh, for racing, motorsports. Uh, we obviously had Pikes Peak, and we had Watkins Glen, the six-hour. Mm-hmm. Um, probably end up talking to Andrew for uh, Pikes Peak, so we'll go over that with him. Probably a good thing, because I didn't watch any of it. Yeah. Like, not even a single... I didn't know it was on. Yeah. Uh, I watched a little bit of the stream. stream wasn't great. Um, but that was what? to be expected. What is it about racing that they can't get a stream right, man? Like, well, I I, I understand it's a smaller event. Yeah, but it, it's a big enough event. I mean, Goodwood gets a stream right. Yeah, I mean, talking to Andrew, it's I guess there's a lot of issues with uh, broadcasting at that altitude. Okay, which is inter- like weird stuff, like interference um, because of the altitude and the static, I guess. Uh, and just weird stuff in the distance, but I'm sure it's possible. I'm sure it's just expensive. I mean, yeah, I think it's got to be cost because yeah, we have satellite television. Mm-hmm. So, at altitude would strike me as probably not much of an issue when it comes to satellite television. Yeah, I think it's more like the cables so, on the ground and like transmitting. I don't know. I'm not an engineer. Oh no, I'm, I don't expect you to answer this question. <laughs> okay. I'm just, I'm just curious i'm I'm thinking through it on the fly if you will yeah i it doesn't surprise me although i'd i would assume it's definitely possible you yeah. know so it, it definitely is yeah. we we have to have that technology yeah so hopefully one day they get that figured out because i think i mean if we can get down to the bottom of the ocean and look at the titanic don't even <laughs> <laughs> I, I do not have time to go down that rabbit hole <laughs> there's a lot yeah we'll talk after the podcast about that there's all sorts of uh, interesting things to glean from that but um (laughs) anyway sorry for throwing on you completely (laughs) completely off guard there (laughs) but uh yeah hopefully they get it figured out i mean it's really not that different from like a rally and like they're able to cover you know the monte carlo rally and i'd imagine you could apply the same techniques um, but again, I guess it's, but even then I think about, you know, okay, it's a cost thing, but how much money does the WRC make on a given race? Right. Like, do you have to even pay? I, I know nothing about rally stuff. Like, I don't even know if you have to pay a spectator fee because the course is so long. Do you just show up sort of near the course and you can watch or like, do you yeah, have I to pay I a fee to get in? And then like, I don't know anything about it, but clearly it's possible. And hopefully one day yeah, well, we get a solid stream because it would be really interesting to watch. And it's not like Pikes Peak is the single most remote location that racing occurs at. Um, probably not. I mean, the Nordschleife is pretty crazy if you think about yeah. it. Yeah. So, I mean, that track is and so they, huge. They have they have full lap coverage. Yeah, exactly. In cars, everything. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm sure it's just a matter of scaling and uh, cost. But hopefully they figure it out. I will say it was better than previous streams. So, okay. So it's right. going in the so right direction. That's a good thing. Yeah. But um, we'll stick to Watkins Glen uh, for this podcast. And then uh, we'll probably just go off on random tangents. And no, never. have some discussions later about Formula One. So, uh, so yeah, what did you think of the race? Uh, so I ended up watching the highlights. I didn't actually see the race. Yeah. Um, little preoccupied this weekend so it was just not something i i paid attention to uh of the highlights it did look like a very watkins and uh, watkins glenn-esque race that was a bit of a mouthful there yeah. um the the track is awesome and it it's plenty of high-speed corners and that seems to deliver a lot of chaos in multi-class racing and that's kind of what happened there was a lot of big accidents and weird accidents yeah, my takeaway was there was a lot of weird incidents that uh, you wouldn't have expected to see. Um, there was some foreboding on the first lap, apparently. <laughs> like, <laughs> that was a that was actually a pretty sketchy start. I was surprised the GT field even went green with the uh, BMW sort of stricken in the middle of the track. Yeah, so they they those of you that aren't familiar with how endurance racing starts, they are rolling starts. They start by class. There was an incident in the very first class to start, the prototypes. And then they proceeded to just go ahead and send the following classes. Yeah, and, the, and that BMW that went off was literally... I mean, he wasn't on the line, but you could see drivers were popping out of the draft. Not really a draft, but you know they're popping out behind to have a look. And then they see, oh, there's a prototype in the middle of the road. And yeah, they're ducking back well, in. Especially at the very beginning of a race when people are trying to make moves. Yeah. You know, the opening lap is when a lot of these cars are trying to make a quick move to gain some position. So that is not the time. I I, I mean, I, I disagree with IMSA there for actually not yellow flagging that instantly and going full course caution. Yeah, it'd be one thing if it was like the end of the race and you don't want to finish under yellow or something. Mm -hmm. I can see that staying green, especially when you don't have cars, you know, really bunched up that bad. Um, but yeah, I don't know why they just didn't have another go at the start because right. that was a that was kind of sketchy and also that bmw going off was weird and i i think it was also sort of a theme of the gtps in general that we've seen uh and also at this race where they just look like a bit of a handful to drive yes yeah and we've seen really experienced drivers just go off and this sort of happened at le mans too now at le mans you know there was a little bit of uh moisture rain but even there you saw really good guys just getting spit off the track right um and it happened at the start to the bmw just had like a, a wiggle uh getting on the power and spun it in the wall uh and then later in the race you had one of the cadillacs sort of trying to avoid uh lap traffic one of the porsches and he ends up sort of spinning and uh losing the rear of the car and going into the wall yeah which i i find really surprising i think it kind of speaks to the drivability of these cars but it's it's odd to me because, I mean, in theory, you've got, like, a car that has a lot of grip, mechanical grip and downforce. And theoretically, you've got four-wheel drive most of the time. And so it's weird to see these guys just getting, like, it, you know, really good drivers just getting spit off like that. To be honest with you, I really like it. Yeah. Because it creates a variable in the racing that isn't normally there. And I think it is a part of racing. It's not an artificial variable of racing. It's it's something that, okay, these cars are difficult to drive. You need to be careful with them. Oh, you weren't careful. You pushed the limit. Guess what? You found the limit, and now you're around or you're in a wall. Yeah. And I, I like that. I think it 
it rewards the guys that are really on the line and and staying on the line versus the guys that crossed over the line just barely, just enough, and get penalized for it. Yeah, it's kind of like we were talking about last week in Formula One, how we both sort of agreed that if the cars were harder to drive, you'd see better racing overall. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of what we're talking about is what we saw here at Watkins Glen, at least an example of it. And really... These cars the whole season have looked a little bit twitchy. Yeah, even the WEC cars as well in the hypercar class because, I mean, we, we said it after Sebring. The Ferraris were, like, all over the place. They were constantly darting around, getting out of corners. That we that was one of the biggest takeaways we had for that was, this is weird. They, they look very unstable. Yeah, yeah. It's very interesting. And also, the braking's been a constant problem. Mm-hmm. Um, challenge, I guess. Um, so... Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting, and also, you know, we had the usual uh, smattering of LMP2s flying off the track. No. And getting into uh, incidents. They would never. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like to beat up on the LMP2s. I I've noticed, yeah. 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 You're keen on uh, verbal it, attacks towards them. Yeah, not a fan, but uh, they have their place, I guess. But, um, but yeah, I think uh, it was an interesting race. I mean, I agree Watkins Glen is a pretty cool track. And I kind of feel like it deserves a better race than just a six-hour. Um, something longer and more interesting, possibly. But uh, Yeah, I agree. It definitely, as far as I'm concerned, it definitely deserves IndyCar. Just rewatching those highlights and then what we know about Watkins Glen anyway. You, you just can't, For me, I can't sit back and go, no, nah, IndyCar doesn't belong there. They 100% belong there. Yeah. yeah. Especially they- after watching Road America last weekend. It's like... It's just that's great racing. Do they go to the Glen, the IndyCar? Not this year, really. Yeah, they have previously, but not this year. Um, I can pull up the IndyCar schedule. That's I'd... actually really lame. Right, that's my point. Um, that's one of the most iconic tracks in the U.S. Why would they not go there? I I couldn't tell you. Do you think we'll ever see Formula One back at the Glen? No, I don't, because I don't think that you're going to see the, the. Well, I mean, I guess. If you get the WEC there, you could, but I don't think you're going to be able to get the audience there. I mean, Watkins Glen is in kind of BFE New York, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure you could pull enough of an audience there to that location, because the thing with Formula One is everywhere they go, is it, it is always a big city. Big circus. Uh, yeah. So event. Yeah, like whatever city they go to in any given country um, or state, it, it's generally speaking one of the bigger, if not the biggest city in that area. Yeah, but you can't tell me if Formula One went to the Glen that it wouldn't be packed. I think it would be packed, but I don't think that they would fill it the way that they would fill somewhere like Miami or like Austin. Hmm. Um, if they did something in like the streets of L.A. or you know, like that type hmm. of stuff, I I I think that's more what they're going for. Fair enough. And I I think Formula One probably looks at Watkins Glen as beneath them. At this point, you know, same way they would look at Road America or VIR was always something that it's like, why why would they not go there? That seems like a perfect spot for them to go to. Yeah, it's probably true. They kind of steer away from those kinds of tracks. But, yeah, so in the end, uh, Porsche ended up with a win. There was an incident with one of the BMW GT cars. Actually went into the wall pretty bad. Um, driver was okay. But uh, that basically ended the race under caution. And... Porsche had made uh, a last-minute move right before this caution, which basically handed them to win because it finished under caution. However, it was not the uh, 
final um, result, result, basically. Yeah. Because apparently, uh, in after during the tech inspection, they found that the skid plate was not as tall as it should be. But it's interesting, and I'm curious your thoughts on this because. I'm sure there's people out there that are going to be like, oh, it's a stupid rule, blah, 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 blah. Um, but it's one of those things that's it's a rule is a rule. You knew the rule. You've been passing all season. It just kind of sucks that when they actually won the race, when it goes through tech, they get this penalty. Yeah. Um. So I'm not particularly familiar with exactly how the measurements are taken. Um. If it happens after the race, it does kind of strike me as, well, if this car had um, a more frequent time on curbing and rubbed away more of the skid plate than another car that was off of the off of the curbing, yeah. would that theoretically, I, I, like I said, I don't know how this works. This, that's my initial thought. Is, so can, is there a way for you to rub down enough skid plate where you exceed the tolerance that they're going to give you? Because imagine it's not going to be a, a hard and fast number. Like, you need to be here. It's going to be some sort of tolerance. So have you exceeded the, the given tolerance? And is it possible to do um, by running different routes on the track or, um, you know, just having a little bit harder of a time? Maybe they were in traffic more often, had to use different parts of the track and scrub their plate more than everybody else did i i don't know yeah so technically yeah because the whole point as far as i understand with the skid plates just like in formula one it's essentially to stop them from just bottoming the car out for downforce right everywhere they can which is also kind of funny because formula one they started using the titanium skid plates for the show yeah and sort of encouraged them to bottom out the cars which is kind of counter yeah weird um, but yeah, it's so that they don't just like absolutely run the car on the deck the whole time. I get the logic behind it. I just, I question how viable it is to scrape off of an, uh, enough of the plate while still running a legal, like, was it a yeah, legal I plate to begin saying. with? Like, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I think that's certainly possible. I mean, that you could see in the actual move that the Porsche made on the BMW, uh, to take the lead, he got out on the curb and you saw a bunch of sparks flying off the bottom of the car. Right. Uh, when he smacked it on the curb. So, yeah, I think that's totally possible. Because that would be my only issue with the rule. Is like, I understand the rule, and I understand what it's what it's guarding against, and I think that's a perfectly justifiable rule to have. I'm just not sure this is the best measurement technique to do so. Yeah, that's interesting. I guess you could use other methods, like some sort of like uh, laser ride height sensor or something. I mean... You could probably game that, but... Yeah, I just, I find it hard to believe. Maybe, I, I guess these are fantastic engineers, and they're capable of far more than, than you and I can even fathom, really. But I kind of find it hard to believe that if you created a uh, a minimum gap from the actual racing surface to the top, or the, excuse me, the bottom of the floor, that if you said, look, you cannot exceed, you can't go lower than this, they're going to have suspension problems trying to sneak it in getting lower than this. Like the, you're going to run into drivability issues with the vehicle. So I, I, I just, I'm, I almost wonder if they're just overcomplicating the measurement system. Could you not just look at the floor and go, okay, that's too low. Like me- obviously measure it. I'm not just saying yeah. eyeball it, but yeah. Know. Yeah. I think you could do that. I think the thing with aero cars is that under that aero load, they're going to really hunker down toward the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, not as much as like a formula one car, but, um, 
Yeah. I, I get that. I just, I wonder, you know, like at what point is, there's got to be a, a point of diminishing return, right? So at like some point they, they have, they've gotten so low where it's now not drivable or it's far less yeah. drivable and they're not that fast. So it's like, why are we measuring this with a skid plate when you could just simply say that, all right, if at this static height, it's not going to be, yeah, it, it doesn't work. I don't know. I, I, no, I just, it's interesting. It's, it's, it, yeah, because the skid plate is dynamic. I don't. I'm not sure. I I like it for a, a use of the rule. It's interesting you bring that up because now I want to look more into exactly why. Because I'm also thinking. I mean, it was bad in Formula One. I'm sure you can think of uh, sort of the famous shots of like Senna, um, or I think I want to say it was the '90s um, when they're going down the straightaway and it's just sparks flying over the cars, just skipping down the straightaway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that's, I don't think it's, like, that bad, but I can understand why it's, like, generally bad. You know, you don't want the drivers just absolutely getting destroyed because the car has zero suspension and is just skateboarding across, you know, the tarmac. Uh, It's not good for the tracks, I'm sure. But, like you said, it's like, you know, maybe there's a better way to police that instead of being like, oh, you wore too much of your skid plate off. Yeah. (laughs) You know, so, yeah, I don't know. Although, I will say... Um, I think you bring up a good point about the rule itself, but I still think rules are rules, and they kind of it it sucks, but it is what it is. Oh yeah, and I I agree with the with the penalty if they exceeded, like I said, if they exceeded the tolerances, then or the allowed the allowed tolerance, then yeah, they should be penalized, and and if they lose the race because of it, sure. I mean that's yeah, I, I have no issue with that ruling. I I have an issue with the measurement system more so than I do the ruling and the and the rule itself. Fair enough. Uh, it does mean that BMW got their first win of the season. And now each uh, GTP manufacturer has won a race in the first five races of the season. That's crazy. It is crazy, actually. Hasn't hasn't BMW been second like three times or four times as well? Yeah, they've, they've really they've... lucked into it, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember so, at Sebring, so at Sebring as well. we, the top three were taken out, and BMW was like, hey, we're in second. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. So um, BMW is going to win the award for the luckiest manufacturer at the end of the season. They were there. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, they are actually beating, uh, let me double check, they are uh, ahead of Porsche in the championship in second place. Cadillac is still leading the championship. and Cadillac did finish third this race, if I remember correctly. I think Durrani got third. I believe so. And well, actually, probably second. How far did the penalty move Porsche? Oh, you're right, actually, because it moved them all the way to the back of the GTP cars. So then, then Cadillac would have gotten second this yeah. this race. But um, yeah, so we're officially uh, basically halfway through the season uh, for IMSA, hmm. and um, I was gonna, since we don't have too much else to talk about, I was gonna say, what do you think of the season overall with the new GTP cars up until this point? I I, lo- I like the. It's kind of like what we were talking about with Lamar um, last week. I, I really like the direction that they're headed with all these prototypes. I think that the amount of manufacturers, the manufacturer backing behind all of them is making it much more intriguing to watch. Um, the driving is still fantastic. Uh, the The drivers in, in endurance racing have been maybe the best drivers across the board. Like I'm not saying all of them are better than Formula One drivers, but you do seem to have a very, very high collection a very large collection of high quality drivers um, in Formula One. So now, or excuse me, in uh, endurance racing. So now you give them all cars that allow them to compete with each other, and there's more manufacturers backing them. So 
it's a better team setup. It's it's you know you're not going to have the kind of silly mistakes that privateers may make or smaller teams may make. Um, so I I really like what's going on in that. I I think it's been very entertaining. I still think that some of the events I like I just I have a hard time getting behind six hour races. Uh, I I agree. So I th- that's not a that's not a team thing. That's not a a class thing. That's just that's IMSA and WEC as well. Yeah. But yeah, I'd, I I mean I I kind of would rather I'm okay with a 4 hour or even a a 2 hour sprint enduro if you want to call it something like I get the 2 hour race it's pretty much just a normal race at that point. But yeah, but I'm it's kind of okay with that every once in a while. Yeah, I I am too. More so than a 6 hour. I would rather have if it's not an a proper endurance race then just make it a 2 hour race. And then when you go yeah. to your proper endurance races, although I would like to see the gap widen. So let's say at Laguna, for whatever reason, you don't want to do an endurance race. You just do a two-hour sprint race. Mm-hmm. And, you know, places like Long Beach, for example, I can see why you don't want to do an endurance race there. Yeah. Um, but at places like Watkins Glen, like, why aren't we doing at least like a 10 hour race or yeah. eight hour race, you know, yeah, something, I, make it whatever you want I th- it to be. I think, but... you, I think it's totally justifiable to go to 12 and I don't think it diminishes yeah. the 12 hours of Sebring either. Uh, you know, Sebring is its own thing. Nobody, nobody cares how long Sebring is. People care that you're yeah, at Sebring. Sebring yeah. yeah. So I, I don't think there's any fear of that. Um, Do you the, think the they could have... add more 24 hour races? Yeah. I, yeah. I think. I mean, I think so. It depends on the cost, obviously. I don't know how stre- like stretched thin these teams are with something like the Rolex. Uh, but I mean, like the issue that I have with the six-hour races is, you really just end up with about four hours of fluff. Yeah, which you end up with in a twelve-hour race anyway. It's like my gripe in Formula One, where the races are slightly too long, where there's just enough strategy for the middle bit not to be interesting at yes. all. Yeah, for it to not matter in the least. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's and that is sort of what I feel like a lot of the six hour races in, in in endurance racing is like. I just, I I think you could probably add some twenty four hour races. I think something like, uh, especially for IMSO, like if you did the twenty four hours of Coda, yes, I, I feel like that would be a very very cool thing to do. That track lit up would be a blast to watch, and then you could really have a party there. Formula One's shown you can do that. <laughs> like that, you could turn that into a huge event, especially Texas. Like yeah. Everything about that is just set up for that. So, yeah, you do a 24-hour event there. You do a 24-hour. Maybe that's the last race of the season since Rolex is the first. So now you you cap off your season with those two races. And then you could do, like you could make it really like symmetrical and, and easy for fans to follow. So you have 24, 12, 2, 2, 2, 2, 2, 2, 2, 12, 24. Yeah. And, you know, like... Yeah, that would be cool. There's no reason not to do that. And then people that want to fall, and sure, you make the points much more valuable. Like, I don't think any fan of IMSA is going to sit back and go, oh, no, the this first year at 24 hours at, at Coda, or the point value is going to be higher than the Sebring. Nobody, nobody really cares. If all of a sudden, like, you've got a chance now, four teams can win the championship because anybody can win Coda. Like, that would be awesome. Yeah, I, I'd be I'd be totally for that. I I think that you can add twenty four hour races. I think you can add twelve hour races so long as the cost is viable for the teams. If 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 you're going to lose three manufacturers out of the prototype classes because you've added another twenty four hour race and two more twelve hours or whatever, then yeah, you don't do that. But I think you'd add so much more prestige to winning those races, though. 
And I think to the championship as well. Yeah. Because that's part of the issue that I have with um, IMSA more so than, than WEC, but I, WEC in its own right has this has the same issues. So well, like let's the problem, be real. The WEC is Le Mans with some extra races thrown exact, in. Exactly. And that's what I was going to say with IMSA is you get through the first two races and the rest of them are just kind of like, oh, they're on again. Yeah. Because really the two races that everybody cares about are Rolex and Sebring. But now if all of a sudden you can get a 12-hour like, could you imagine a 12-hour in, like, mid-October in the Midwest or something? Like, Road America, where it's real cold. Like, yeah. you, you're probably not getting snow yet, except for a very fluky event, but cold enough where these cars are struggling. That could be a lot of fun. Yeah. I th- I just think that, as an endurance racing fan, I want to see more... 24-hour, 12-hour proper endurance races. And not just like, and maybe this is, I I don't know what, I feel like, I don't think this is a unique thing, but like, personally, I feel that I'm attracted to things that have more, uh, I don't know what you call it, like meaning, you know, like the 12 hours. It's it's an event because of more than just the length and the location, everything. It all comes together. You want the prestige. The prestige, but also, like, you know, it starts at 10 a.m. You get a little bit of night running. There's a sunset. You know, the race builds in this way that it feels like it's telling a story. You know, like Le Mans. I think that's what makes endurance racing so interesting and cool to me is that, you know, you're like, okay, yeah, it's a race. Cool. And then it gets dark. You know, you have a sunset. You're like, oh, we're going through the night. And then you have a sunrise. And you're like, people made it through the night. You know, it, it builds into this like story kind of thing. You are you are making a, a a parallel that you probably won't really understand, but I bet you a lot of listeners would understand. Okay, it's when on a random Saturday, you're watching random fall Saturday, and you're watching college football, and the kickoffs at three thirty, and the game ends at you know seven seven thirty something like that, right as night's falling because yeah, you're getting yeah. into the dead of winter. And the lights come on, mm-hmm. and like you start to, it just kind of builds, and then you have this crescendo at exactly. the end. And especially if it's a close game in the f- fourth quarter with really good teams battling against each other, and it's like you can just see that and go, "Wow, oh, yes, sign me up yeah. all day." And- light- lighting has an effect. I'm sorry, but like when you see a race start sort of midday light, and it sort of ends midday light, not mm-hmm. midday exactly, but you know what I mean, not like long shadows. You're kind of like. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You you did a thing during the day. You know, it's like, um, I, imagine Watkins Glen with like it finished at sunset or something like yeah. that. Like it'd be so much cooler. Yeah. Because it time isn't an, an important part of endurance racing, and, and I think the sun and the lighting is an important part, an important symbol of that time. Yes. Um, but I also think that. The time itself also, like we were talking about Lamal, you can really get like strapped into an endurance race when it's 12 hours. And you're just like, okay, all right, I am in this now. I'm going to pop in, pop out. With six hours, you're like, well, okay, I mean, all right, I don't want to go too far because it's only six hours. Yeah. You know, I'm going to try to pay attention. But then you're also like, damn, it's six hours. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. this weird in between. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's just not a, it's not a particularly comfortable median as far as I'm pre- concerned. Yeah. Or do you think you'd most want to see another 12 or 24-hour race? And also, off the top of my head, um, at the risk of embarrassing myself, how long is Petit Le Mans? Is it eight hours? 
No, I believe it's six as is well. Is it six as well? Yeah. Okay. Let me. I'll, I'll pull it up as I'm as I'm talking over. Uh, as far as a 24 hour, and maybe I'm uh, recency biased since I just thought of it, but I I think Coda would be a fantastic place for a 24 hour event. I cannot come under, up with under any, the lights. Under the lights. Yeah. I mean, you're gonna have to for 24 yeah. hours. Yeah. You know, I I don't I don't think you like I guess I get that endurance cars have headlights and that you can race in the dark and stuff, but I mean. Yeah, that that would be amazing, man. Like, yeah. I just I I have a hard time thinking of a more. Maybe it's because Formula One does go there, and it's become kind of the iconic American track for big ra- big time racing. Yeah, but man, would that be good? That would be re- like just properly good event. Yeah, to watch. You definitely couldn't do it at Laguna Seca because of the sea fog. Every single race would get red flagged when the fog rolled in. Yeah, every time. Um. I'm trying to think of another track. You can't do it at the street circuits like Long Beach. You know, Watkins Glen is a good candidate, like we just described. But VIR I, would actually be really cool. VIR would be interesting. I think you can. Um, I think you can also look at something like Road America, Mid Ohio. Some of those are. You could you could push a little bit for the twelve hour. Um, Road America, I think, would be a better better twelve hour event, but. Mm-hmm. I really think, like, Watkins Glen, I think you're onto something for the 12-hour. I'm not sure, because you want, like, very iconic American track. Like, Lime Rock doesn't work. No. It's not quite... Yeah, it's um, too small anyway. It's it's too small, and it's not... It, it's got plenty of character for smaller class racing, but it doesn't work for prototypes. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't feel like Barber works for 12 hours. Barber is a... Gr- Barber, I feel like, I is a don't beautiful think Barber track. Would let that happen. But. Yeah. <laughs> Barber is a beautiful track, but I'm—I'll be honest. It's a little bit—I uh, don't know how to describe it, but it doesn't feel like. So Petit Le Mans is a thousand miles or ten hours. Okay, so it is a, a more of an endurance race than the six hours. Mm-hmm. Okay, I like that. Um, oh, I'm sorry. It was a thousand miles or ten hours from 1998 to 2013. From 2014 to present, it is ten hours. There is no thousand miles. If they oh, exceed a thousand no, miles, okay, I see. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so that's nice that the the last round is a little bit longer. Yeah, but yeah, I kind of want to look at all the American tracks now and try. Yeah, try I mean, to decide I, where we, you'd do like another endurance race at. Sonoma, I don't think quite works. No, not, not for not for a longer one. That'd be a great two hour one. Yeah, sprint race. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I I think. I think with, when you start to get longer, what you need is is a track with a lot of history, and I think that's why Watkins Glen works, and I think that's why Sebring works. I don't think you can, you want the, you know, like, you want to hear the iconic American names and the Grand Prix drivers that that drove around the course yeah. throughout, because you need the stories to fill. Like, it's not, you don't go there because of TV and filling dead air and stuff, but that's the type of stuff you're going to want as you're watching the race. There's going to be. 30 minutes where nothing happens and the commentators are expected to fill that air. And that's where you can kind of talk about the history of Watkins Glen. There's no history. Well, I mean, there's history, but there's no like history like that with Barber or or some of these other tracks that, yeah, I I don't, I don't know. I I mean, I I feel that at Sebring, when I go to Sebring every time, I always think to myself, I mean, I've also just seen so many historic photos and like tried to learn about the history of the race not necessarily the race but the competitors and the the cars and stuff and i feel that every time i go to sebring and i think like this is exactly where this happened Mm -hmm. you know 
like and you can pick out the some of the landmarks still yeah um which i just think is is so cool and it's worth looking into so that if you ever do go to sebring you're like yeah this yeah. is where this happened yeah if it like I, I heard, um, I was listening to a, a podcast and they were taking, like this family was taking their children to uh, Europe and they were going to go visit some, some World War II sites. So they had their kids do book reports on like Normandy. Oh, that's a really good idea. So the kids then get there, like they it, it was just a book report to the parents, so it's not graded or anything, yeah. but the kids get there and they're like, oh, that's what I read about. Like yeah. and I could totally see us doing that with our kids and just being like, all right, you need to do a book report on this track, and then I'll take you there. I'll take you there, no problem. But you need to you need to know your history behind it. Yeah, and that that type of stuff would be really cool. That's a really good point, actually. In yeah, because that's good exercise a, just for anybody to do. Yeah, but. that's exactly how I feel. And like, for example, I think that's how any quote unquote nerd feels because they know the significance of something, and that's why they're into it. Mm-hmm. And then when they see it, they're like, "Yes, this is amazing." And other oh, people are like, "Who absolutely. cares? It's just this thing." Like, I feel that about. I will go visit the SR-71 up uh, at the museum in North Florida. Yeah. And when I get there, it's going to be like, this is an SR-71. I've read the book on the SR-71, the history Mm -hmm. of it. Details that are completely useless to me. (laughs) But, like, it's so interesting. And I'll be able to look at the tail number and be like, that was this plane. It did this. You know, because I I literally have the book that has all that information. Right. And, um... But, like, I'm sure a lot of people go there and make, oh, that's a weird-looking plane. <laughs> yeah. And it's exactly the same thing. Yeah. So, The uh, one track that did just pop into my head that I think uh, some fans would likely, or listeners, rather, would likely uh, bring up, but I don't think is a viable option uh, for either the 12 or the 24-hour would be IMS. I don't, I don't think you can do Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I think you're going to take away from the 500. Not yeah, necessarily in, take, I guess not take just, away from the 500. They're going to be too You can't get tainted. anything from it. You're yeah. just like... Oh, they're at Indy, but it's not Indy cars. It's like, eh. yeah, yeah. So I don't, I, 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 can hear listeners yelling at us about that one, and I just, I don't think you can do that. That's that's like going to the mall with Indy cars. You'd be like, what are you doing? Yeah, this doesn't yeah. work. I mean, I guess the circuit you could probably get away with the Bugatti circuit. Yeah, yeah, because it's it, it's it just isn't Le Mans. Yeah, you know, like yeah. it is, but it isn't. Um, it isn't in actuality, but it's not. In... Well, speaking of Indy cars, theoretically in France, what do you think about? This is a ridiculous hypothetical, but I think it's an interesting hypothetical. So we've got the regulations now. We've got WC, you've got IMSA. One's European, one's American, mm-hmm. and the GTP cars could sort of intermingle. Technically, realistically, the G, yeah, I said GTP. And mm-hmm. Now the GT3 cars are also. Theoretically, they could intermingle in terms of if teams wanted to race in both or something. Right. Um, what do you think about if we had sort of, I, and this is impossible, so this is like literally just a thought experiment pretty much, but if we had one governing body for sports car racing that, let's say it's not the FIA and it's not IMSA, it's just like, screw that, we're just going to have the sports car racing governing body, Yeah. and we're going to take in all of the major series and races within sports car racing and just run it under this one banner do you think and and by sports car racing you're referring to pretty much endurance racing yeah right? pretty like much you're endurance not, you're racing. not covering indycar you're not co- you're not considering those sports cars. no and i'm not talking about like the gt3 series that are everywhere i'm talking about like like maybe you pull in the 12 hours of bathurst maybe you pull in you know the nurburgring spa okay all this kind of stuff do you think 
because essentially that's what we used to have with the FIA back when it was like real big in the 60s and 70s and it was the big world championship kind of thing. Right. It actually was like a world championship coming to America and everything. Um, do you think that would be worth doing? And like, what, what are would your thoughts you, on so, that in general? So what's your... Uh, because this is this is what I'm immediately jumping to. Maybe I'm I'm jumping to the wrong conclusion, but what I'm getting mm-hmm. is that if there was a way for us to include Le Mans and Rolex yes. and and the twelve hour yeah. and the twenty four hours of Nurburgring in and one Spa series. all in one series, yes, that's how it should be. Yeah, that's absolutely how it should be. Um, so I would love that. I I think that would be the right thing to do, and I really don't think it's as long of a long shot as as it may come out to be, it's not. Practically speaking, it's not, but I right. think politically it's impossible. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Nailed it. And it, I, I could not have said that better myself. It, that is exactly the, the the issue with the whole thing, is that you are never going to have the FIA and and, the, and and IMSA agreeing to do something yeah. like that. So unfortunately, there's no, there's no, I mean, look. But it's going to put them in a we weird have spot. two events at Sebring. Exactly. And so what, what does weird. that say? Yeah, it's like. Yeah. But it's going to put them in a weird spot because it's like right now, uh, or at least before, you know, it's like WC was doing their own thing, IMSA was doing their own thing, and now they're collaborating. And so now if you take that one step further, you're like, hey, we've got these cars that can intermingle. They're they're effectively running in the same classes. Why are we running two different series? Like you, you could say that it gets easier to manage two different series because mm-hmm. they operate differently, you know, but like on paper you go, Wait, you you guys are kind of doing the same thing. Yeah, here. exactly. You know why wouldn't you both just? No, I agree. I I I, I have no disagreement whatsoever there. I, I think it's how it should be, but unfortunately, it it doesn't appear as though that's going to be the the case. It should Cause, be because that would solve most of our complaints about these races. It would. It, you would you would tune into every race. Now yeah. it would completely remove like this. Watkins Glen would not have just happened. Unless it became like the twelve hour of Watkins Glen, yeah, but that's I still don't see that happening either. I mean, yeah. you know, all you, all you're really doing is just you're combining all of the very significant races into a eight to ten race season. Yeah. Hmm. But yeah, unfortunately, that's I don't see that happening. Yeah, it's a cool thought experiment. Though. It, it would be really cool, but yeah, I just the ACO and the FAA I, like. Le Mans is their up... thing. They would never let anybody other than themselves touch Le Mans. Yeah. Well, and and that's where like I, politically you could get you could come to some agreement because I th- I think the gravity of like what if IMSA just hosted races that the FIA allowed? They were like, hey, you can go compete in yeah. these IMSA races. You'll still get points. Yeah, I mean, I I think that would work too, but. Uh, like, there's got to be a way politically where you could have some sort of, I, I, like, I try to think of this as a trade, right? Like, you want both sides to have equal value. Mm-hmm. So, I would say roughly equal value is Le Mans and then 12 hours and 24 hours. So, Sebring and Daytona. Yeah. The, like, those two combined is about a Le Mans. Yeah. It's maybe maybe one is a little more than the other. You, I mean, you go ahead and nitpick Depends on all who you want. ask, yeah. Yeah, but... Uh, so if if there was a way for you guys, for the two organizations, the two governing bodies to agree that, all right, we don't touch those two races and you don't touch this one, but we can all race at them, I, I think that that could be done. I just, I don't know. I'm sure. Because then the problem is, like, who, who, how are you pulling in the 24 hours of Nürburgring? 
how are you pulling in yeah. spa? Like how? That's are what you, I was like, about to say. Is like like okay, so you get, get these. Like we would love to get twenty four hours of Bathurst or whatever. No, twelve hours of Bathurst. Twelve. It is twelve. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> too too many. Wait, wait. No, there's a twenty four hour race there, right? I think. It... I don't know now. See, you're both you're... both seem equally plausible now. Yes. <laughs> don't you love when that happens? Yeah. You're like, oh, this guy just put something in my brain, <laughs> yeah. and now I'm not sure. <laughs> but no, my point is like. Yeah, I would love to pull all those in, but all of those are governed by different people as well. So it's like that's a lot of interests. Yeah, logistically, it'd be just a monumental undertaking. It would be cool. I, the one way I think you could do it is you still allow those races to be governed by the individuals that they're governed by, but you have the manufacturers make a pact that almost like a union, if you will, just like run the same regs. Basically, they, the manufacturers determine the regs. And then the governing bodies just agree to it because they're like, okay, well, if you if that's what you guys are all going to agree to, then fine, go for it. And then the manufacturers can all compete in the sports car world championship and travel all around the world. Well, that's what we're approaching with GT3 spec. Everything. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's an interesting thought experiment because if you are going to have these cars that are all so similar and can race each other, it sort of does beg the question of like, wait, why are we even running in separate series or right. why at least do some kind of collaboration like they i'm pretty sure they used to do that with sebring where you would see cars from uh whatever the WEC was at the time that would come over for sebring mm-hmm. um so and i would love to see all the hyper cars at daytona well look at yeah look at but look at all the old um grand prix racing i mean you used to have it with indycar and and formula one were the same thing like yeah so it, it's just we've moved away and, and segmented in so many different categories now that you got a, seemingly a class for everybody's taste. Yeah, it's true. It would be really cool, though. It would. I would like to see it. But still pretty happy with the state of IMSA and everything. And Yeah, I mean, you didn't expand on your point. You asked me how how I <laughs> felt and then never, well, never went on yeah, about Yeah, I thought of other things along the way. But uh, no, I think uh, IMSA's in a really good place right now. I don't personally believe the whole four different manufacturers winning in the first five races i don't really buy into that because that's just the way the cookie crumbled kind of thing i don't Mm -hmm. think that's an indicator of sorts right people will use it later one day they'll create like a little docuseries about the imsa gtp era and they'll use that as a fact to say how good the racing was but i think that's kind of a misguided thing to do but we definitely do have a decent amount of parity between the teams uh and i just think the cars are interesting it's like it's just a marketing win and it's a marketing win because somebody like me who is generally against sort of spec and bop stuff and marketing yeah (laughs) i i am i am okay with this i'm like okay deal you know it's like it feels like an actual fair deal it's like okay you want to do your bop blah 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 whatever okay fine if if it's like this I'm on board. I'm okay with it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's we a said good it, compromise. We said it a couple of weeks ago that, like, I, I think it was when we were talking about Lamont. If there was BOP, it was so minimal that I we really didn't notice it. So th- yeah. they've at least sort of got to figure it out. Or the, they've sort of figured it out now. Like, yeah. Because there was a couple of years there where it was okay. Well, they just were really fast in practice one. They're going to get BOP and just not yeah. exist in the All, race. The, a lot of the talk was BOP. Yeah. Um, but also the cars are just interesting, you know? Like, all these GTP cars, I think, are interesting. 
most of the hypercars I think are interesting. Um, I think the GT3 cars have gotten almost as bland as they could possibly come at this point. Yeah, I do think that's true, and I it's an interesting point because we were excited about GTE cars, but now some is it because we just see so many GT3 cars? And you're just like, oh, it's just a bunch of G three three cars. What's yeah, I the... think it's I think it's part of that, and it's like you, th- there are far too many privateer teams, which I understand help fund a lot of, you know, like it's real easy for Porsche to sell a car and make some money off of it, but like there are thirty nine nine elevens out of the forty one cars that are in GT three. <laughs> like it's ridiculous, man. It you just. But let me pose this: if they were all nine three fives, we'd be on board. So is it? Mm. You see what I'm saying? No, I I don't agree though. You think it's too many of the same thing? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think I think you need to allow the manufacturers and then maybe a privateer here or there. Yeah, but like to, to have an entire field of privateer teams that are all running effectively the same cars, it just it does kind of stagnate the the race in general. And I I think like you see a lot of parity in GT three and and it really any of the GT classes, but. I mean, so what if there was an what is memorable about like if the 911 wasn't the nine like maybe let's exclude the 911 just okay. because it's an iconic car sure. that really hasn't changed very much. I actually don't know what this classification of the Ferrari is this year. <laughs> like I don't know the name of it because I don't care because yeah. it's not that exciting. Yeah. Whereas like you could go back years and years and years ago, like dude, when we were seeing some of the. the the like the big sedans and stuff like i'm not a big fan of the lexus but it does stand out like it is ridiculous seeing this yeah, right now yeah. out there racing against everything else or the the z4 when they had that the like, z4 is beautiful there, i miss that car there are a lot of weird kind of quirky bmw did a really good job of it for many years getting the yeah. kind of the quirky car even the the year that they it was like only a couple of years and it wasn't that long ago that they did the new m8 that was just gigantic out yeah. there it was a damn boat yeah. but at least it was different and it's like Right now, all you have is a whole bunch of mid-engine, especially with Corvette. If Corvette didn't sound good, it's, no one would care. Yeah, it still sounds iffy to me, that engine. Yeah. But, yeah. But you see my point. is like, there's I, nothing I exciting. I do, but it's weird because I can't actually point to why it's not, other than... Because the cars aren't... They don't have any character. There's nothing special about these cars. But what would you change about them to give them more character? Would you make them faster? I'm not, I'm not sure there's anything you can do, mm-hmm. because... I think technology has figured out that mid-engine, uh, rear drive, whatever, like they've, they've figured out the platform, right? Everybody's gone, okay, this is how you make a GT car fast. And well, especially go, with everything being turbocharged in a way that yeah. makes them completely almost silent. Yeah, yeah. And and there's not enough, like, there's not enough variation in what they're able to do where you could run. Like, I don't care what you do outside of BOP. You cannot make a Z4 as fast as these these Lamborghinis, these Ferraris, whatever, are running around in these mid-engine platforms, or even the R8 a handful of years ago, yeah, was pretty quick. Like, you without BOP, the front-engine rear-wheel drive option, even like the when they were running the SLSs and the AMG GTs, they never stood a chance. They would win races here and there, but without BOP, that there's no hope. So, really, all you're doing is saying, "Look, this is the platform that you guys got to run." You pick the you pick the one you think's prettiest and sounds best and then build off of it. Do you think the GT category How about this? I'm I'm throwing a lot of theoreticals here because we've got the 
the time to do it this podcast yeah. but what if you split gt into two categories and you had something like gt cars that are normal cars and then you have like gt cars that are supercars and i know this is going to get really tricky because it's like how the heck do you define that because you really can't um but i'm thinking something like gt1-esque so sort of where I was going to go next was I, w- I would like to see GT3. Okay. You keep it because I think it's an important class to have. Would you back them down a little bit, though? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And then beca- because this is what you would put in its place, GT Unlimited. Yeah. So you just run... Like Zondas. Oh, dude, you run whatever the... Whatever you please. Like whatever your little heart desires, you yeah. just run it. And, and, and when I say you run whatever you want, I mean like if... Dodge wants to enter a Viper and have it have 1,200 horsepower, and it is useless in the corners, but it is a missile down the straight. Yeah, go for it. Like I, that, that would yeah. be a blast. Like, are you? I would love to see a GT Unlimited quote unquote car passing a hypercar down the straight. <laughs> that would be awesome. And, and, then, and then just get cranked every corner. But yeah. like, there was a time where some of these GT cars were not regular, but occasional viable contenders for the overall win yeah that is not even close to an option anymore and i'm not saying i want to get back to that necessarily but i think you can sort of push that envelope by saying okay you can have this gt platform the car's got to stay looking approximately the same and function the same you could do it kind of like um formula drift sort of does it where all right you here's a mustang right you can change pretty much everything, but you need to have these same suspension points and stuff like that. Like you have to have certain, there's certain limitations. So you do that. You say, okay, you want to run a Z4, go ahead and run a Z4. You want it to have 1500 horsepower, go ahead and have 1500 horsepower. But you can't change these things here that, that then make it not a Z4. Yeah. I, and I think that would be a really fun class of racing, especially in endurance racing, because you can go ahead and have the prototypes. Everybody knows the prototypes are going to win the race, unless there's some chaos, and then it's like, okay, that that NASCAR that was just running Le Mans <laughs> might have a chance. Yeah. I think if I ran the world and I was in control and I could just choose whatever IMSA does, I would have, first of all, the prototypes have to have over 1,000 horsepower. I think it's ludicrous that they don't. Um and uh, I think once you do that, that enables you to have GT cars like GT1 cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I would do is I would try to back down the arrow a little bit. Like, they're going to have, like, GT3 levels of arrow, but not anything more than that. Because if you go more than that, then now you just have, like, a little LMP3 car. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not where we're... Well, that's, that's my fear with going GT1. Yeah. Because GT1 generally, I mean... When I think of GT1, I um, think, yeah, let's I think not, of like... Not CLK GTR GT1. Right, We're thinking my... like McLaren F1 before it became the F1 GT. You know, back when it was just the normal F1. Yeah, but I, I still... I'm. That's not where I want GT cars. Like, it, So you, you, makes, do, you don't want I like... I don't want Zondas. I don't want... Okay. I, I'm okay with the low-end Ferrari, the whatever the hell it is anymore. I don't. What what is it? Well, they're running the two nine six right now, okay. but it literally looks like they took the aero design off the four eight four eight eight and they just put it yeah on the new car. So, it looks almost exactly the same. I, I'm like I'm okay with touching into four eight eights and Hurricanes and uh, 
you know, like some of that stuff. I I want to stay away from Koenigsegg and McLaren and okay. like if they want to enter their own little baby car, like something like the CC8 GT was years ago. Obviously, that didn't go racing, but or, okay, yeah, yeah. But I, like that sort of dial like, it back a little bit. Well, what about F50 GT? I because that was designed wanna, to run in GT1. I want to encourage. I want to encourage something more along the lines of a 599XX than I do Got it. GT cars, if you will. Got it. You're definitely going to need BOP for that. But B- BOP does enable that. But and, and I'm not sure you need BOP. That's what I'm getting at is, like, this is where the GT Unlimited comes in. It's, uh, okay, go ahead. Like, you, like, that thing might be a missile, but good luck around the corners with that. How much arrow can you put on a 599 to make it really, really work? Yeah. You know, you're kind of almost time attack in a way, but it's like normal time attack racing without the ridiculous, like, six wings and... Yeah. I do think it'd be cool to see something like GT4 and GT3 out on track instead of... Because IMSA's getting rid of LMP3 next year, which I think, honestly, I forgot even LMP3 was there most of the time. I don't... I have never met somebody that asked... For, yeah, for another prototype class. I think it's just I, a feeder I, I, series. I want a third a prototype. Class. I want a third prototype class that's a little bit slower. Yeah, than like, the other prototype class that's a lot slower than the other one. Why? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, it was, it was bizarre. But I wonder what it would be like with GT fours, GT threes, and then maybe LMP twos and LM, you know, GTPs. But with the GTP field getting so large, it begs the question: of Why do you need the LMP twos? Yeah, you know, you, you don't. So. No, I I agree, I I. That's fine. Like I, yeah. like I said, I I think that I think what they're really missing is this this unlimited kind of just raw go. And I'm not. I, I know I keep. You mean up sort of like but, uh like back when we had like two eighty ZXs, like six hundred seven hundred horsepower, like the big silhouette. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, like I I want to. Yeah. I I kind of just. I, those are my go, favorite go kind of cars. Yeah, exactly. And but that's what we were talking I, about. I right? love that era. We we said, okay, what what is it missing right now? What's making this class boring? Well, the cars are boring. Okay, so yeah. how do you make the cars interesting? You tell the manufacturers to do anything they damn well please, so long as it doesn't change the fact that that car is that car. Like yeah. you can, you can't. They're too pa- normal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And nobody. I mean, this. I love the old. Oh well, the, people love to see their road car racing. It's like. No one makes that connection. No, uh, there, there. Maybe there's a handful of idiots out there, and you are an idiot if you do this. But if you're sitting there and you're looking in your garage and, at your your C4S and you're going, "Man, that GT3 looks just like my C4S in the garage." No, it doesn't. Yeah, no, no, it doesn't. And nothing about them are the same. So no, like stop that lie now because yeah, there's no connection there. Exactly. I mean, I do love the idea of touring car esque classes like uh like imagine a 911 turbo with just a roll cage out there doing its thing at daytona oh, I, th- I think it would be awesome my my concern is that the the speed difference safety stuff yeah, yeah. is not viable with with the hypercars yeah because they've gotten so fast well i th- i just think uh, also our tolerance to that kind of thing just makes it not possible because yeah. they used to have like cars with like less than two liter engines racing at Le Mans. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah. Imagine just like, and GT40, boom. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. For 24 hours. I, 100%. And and it's like, I'm not saying sign me up necessarily because 
accidents are exciting and something could happen. I'm saying sign me up because that does create some drama. Like, yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, like pylons are weird things to have to go around. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, it, it's that that could be fun, but I there's no way that gets through safety. Can you anyway. imagine you get stuck behind a Morgan three wheeler in your Porsche 963 going through the Porsche S's at Le Mans? Yeah. Oh, you'd be. <laughs> The, the, you would burn the bulbs out. You'd burn the LEDs out trying to flash this thing to get out of the way. Yeah, it, it would be chaos. But I like. I think what it what it comes down to is we just we're looking for character in cars. We're looking for that little extra character in, yeah. in the GT cars, and it's not there. Uh, the only like, the only thing saving the 911 is the fact that it pretty much hasn't changed, and it still sounds really good. Yeah. The Ferrari is generic and boring. It like it looks decent, but what makes Ferrari no doesn't sound at all, which it, is just a crime. The the Huracan has been the damn Huracan for like six hundred and twelve years. Yeah, mini rant about that. <laughs> My entire life, endurance racing has been defined by this V ten sound of the Lamborghini and R eights. It yes. is it, you cannot separate the two. It's just permanently ingrained in my mind. If I can. I can hear it now, upshifting and downshifting. Yes. I've heard it so much. I'm so tired of that thing. Yeah. And it's funny because it's a good sounding car. Yeah. Um, and I think we would all praise that engine, but it's just bit. I'm. I want something different. Yeah. Just anything, please. I'm tired of hearing that sound. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it like I also feel like 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 I said, the Lexus is at least creative. It's still the yeah. RC, right? They've been running the damn RC for. I don't know what they call it now. I think it's the RC. I, but that, how long has that been out there? I mean, that's that's what I'm getting at. It's yeah. like some of these cars are older than the Turner livery, dude. Like it's ridiculous. It, like, the the it, only thing that's sort of new is the Corvette, but it's sort of new for like I see it as a step back personally. Um, I think it's pretty ugly, and I don't really like the way it sounds. I would rather them have stuck with the front engine. I get the mid engine. Agreed. I would rather have them have. Just been the last ones. Just don't change that. Yeah, yeah. I do think that's just it's a loss of identity. I mean, like we we talked about it a long, but uh, but that's a big thing. It's like even you know, but it's weird because Porsche can sort of pull it off with the RSR. It's like okay, it's sort of mid engine. It's not actually rear engine, you know. But it sounded crazy, Mm -hmm. you know. And now they're back to you know the GT3 spec with rear engine and everything. But um, yeah, yeah. I think. You know, one of the common themes is that if a series constricts the cars, and I guess they're not necessarily constricting it, but it's just GT3 regs, which are appealing to manufacturers because they can choose whatever they want. So they choose whatever they want to market. How many? So we we said earlier in this podcast, we don't know bunk about rally. Yeah. Like, right? Yeah. How many Group D rally cars do you know? Group D? I don't even know what Group D or is. Group, group C, sorry. What's Group C? Group C rally is like the, the old Audi. Uh, oh, Group B, you mean? Group, am I okay? Yeah, Group my B. nomenclature's off. Then, Jesus, my point still stands. <laughs> yeah, how many of those cars can you name? Uh, like the Audi, the Peugeot. Uh, because it's why? It's been a while. B- but why? Delta S four. Yeah, that thing was the, crazy. The, 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 yeah, and yeah, because they were crazy. The Stratos. They were and, interesting. Yeah. They're iconic. They will be forever remembered. My point exactly. Yeah, I do not this care is what about I- Skodas. This is what I'm getting. Yeah, exactly. This is what I'm getting at. Like it's, it is really, it's on perfect display with Rally right now. No one cares about the golfs or the, the. I don't think they run GTIs technically, and I think they're they're think polos. They are, I think. Yeah, they are polos. That's right. Yeah, and the Yaris. Yeah, 
because they're the shortest possible probably right. wheelbase they right. can get. And they they're, they are really cool cars. Like they are. The sequential's insane in them. The, also good on Toyota noise. for making like actual performance road versions of the Yaris and stuff in yeah. the Corolla. So. Yeah. Thumbs up. But still, it's like my 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 point is you went from these hyper iconic ridiculous rally cars to now we're talking about a polo yeah nobody cares we're headed that same direction in <laughs> gt cars you go from hyper iconic cars over the years to now you know what was exciting is when we had the gt racing the ford gt yeah yeah you know still needed a v8 yeah biggest travesty that has ever befallen endurance racing yes. was a new ford gt comes in I actually think it will be forgotten for that reason. It already was forgotten. Yeah. Like, I forgot about it. Yeah, <laughs> like, we'll remember it as a good car, but it won't be, like, iconic. Because for something to really go down in history, it needs the full package. Mm -hmm. And I know this is kind of getting into the weeds and, like, really, I don't know what the word to describe it would be. Like, it seems, like, ridiculous. or But, like, I, I'm sorry, that matters. Like... And it matters in weird ways that kind are of not pedantic. Yeah, they're not consistent yeah. either. Like I like the sound of a Porsche nine three five. Yeah, because it's unique. It doesn't have like a wail like you'd have from like a V V ten or V twelve. But mm -hmm. the sound of a nine three five is like a jetliner about to take yeah. off. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and it's like that's cool in its own way. It's not just like everything else. And uh, you know, McLaren F one, the GTRs, or I guess uh, no. It, what are they? Uh, da, 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 da. Yeah, the GTRs. Um, you know, six liter BMW V12. Mm -hmm. Like, come on, you know that's awesome. Yeah, or even early in the early in the two early two thousands when they were running the Judd V10s. Yeah, you know, like I know that's not a GT car, but again, ridiculous engine, crazy sound. Not a like nothing about that car should have been very memorable. Or the Peugeot. The Peugeot definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but nothing about like anything that that the Judd V10s were really running is iconic. Mm -hmm. But the engine was. Yeah, because it made a great sound. Everybody was intrigued by it. Yeah, there, there's something about. I think it's the turbochargers. <laughs> yeah, it is. It it is. I mean, like, it's the same the, thing with look at Formula One. Yeah. How much better would Formula true. One be if it was naturally aspirated? It's true. They it, they lose a level of excitement, and it and it sort of goes back. Not back to, but it, it it's an interesting comparison to electric cars. You know, people try to get, like, f I, I love seeing a, a hype commercial about, like, Formula E. Which I is forgot like, that sport existed. I don't know how it's still going. I don't know who's watching it. But, like, I see one of these, like, highlight videos, and I'm saying, yeah. you're just like, I can't. I can't do no. it. I don't, it's not, no. it's, it doesn't work. Um... It's just a sad reality. We get excited by loud noises. And when something's not super loud or exciting, it's kind of like, meh. Since the... Like, can you imagine fireworks without I, the bangs? It, my, yes. The, <laughs> since the discovery so of black lame. powder and explosions, like literally since the discovery of fire, <laughs> mankind loves things that go boom. Yeah. Imagine at a football stadium when they do the national anthem, if the fireworks, or instead of the fireworks, they just do, you know how they have the displays? And they just do like fireworks on the displays. Yeah. It's not the same. No, it's not. <laughs> it no. doesn't work. Why do we still do flyovers? Because it's awesome. Yes. No, the, no one, no sane, rational human being could ever hear a jet fly over and think, wow, I hate that sound and I don't want to hear that again. Yeah. I'd get really tired of that. Said no one ever. Yeah. <laughs> Man, it would be so much better on mute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. God.
But um, yeah, I think that's where we're at. I mean, the BMW uh, M uh, M4 makes basically no noise. Yeah. Um, the Ferrari literally makes no noise, which is just really irritating again because Ferrari traditionally has made some of the best sounding cars ever made. Yes. And now their turbocharged car makes no noise. Like I said, the <laughs> Lamborghinis are just boring at this point because it's all you hear. Um, the Corvette honestly kind of makes an annoying noise. I'm not a fan of it. It's not like a good thundery muscle car sound. It's not the old one, no. It's not the C7 noise. Yeah. I think probably the best sounding cars on the IMSA grid right now are the uh, Cadillacs. Yeah. Yeah. Everything else is turbocharged or the Corvette. Pretty much, yeah. So, I mean, the BMW GTPs, you can't hear those things at all. No. No, I now I haven't heard the 911 in person um, in a couple of years. But it sounds it, like, exactly like a GT3, but it's not that loud. It's not RSR loud. Okay, because that because that was it's not ear splittingly. <laughs> like, <laughs> those were amazing. Yeah, like I remember <laughs> being at Sebring when those were running around, and like you're sitting at turn 16, and you can hear them like <laughs> four corners yeah. away, and you're just like, yeah, here they come. Yeah. The RSRs are the reason I now wear earplugs at the track. <laughs> That's when that started. I I used to hate wearing earplugs, and the, then the RSRs literally started giving me a headache, and I was like, okay, I guess this is my life now. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, now I But that's how it should be. Yeah. That's how it should be. Wear earring protection if it bothers you. Otherwise, shut up and deal with it because it's awesome. Yeah. It is. It was a glorious car. It just got annoying after you, 12 hours. Could you imagine if, like, I'm, I'm thinking of, like, the 787. If that was just a normal, boring, turbocharged four-cylinder. Yeah, like, nobody, it, that no car would, would not have achieved the status it has. Uh, it only has the status it has. Yeah. Like, most people don't remember that that won Le Mans. Most, most people remember the sound. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I think, uh, you know, a big part of this is just the culture of, uh, I don't know how you say this, not of motorsport in general, but like, Personally, like I feel like I grew up watching YouTube videos of all these famous cars, and it'd be like startups, flybys. Yeah, you know? of course. Nobody is going to be like, "Oh, let's hear the cold or uh, like a warm up of the Ferrari two nine six. You can see it. <laughs> You're just gonna be like, "Okay, this is the most boring I thing mean, I've ever watched." Of the channels, I'm sure you subscribe to NM two 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 five five. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah. You go watch any of his videos now. None of them are of the current cars. Yeah, it's all, all of old stuff. all old stuff running around like that. And that dude has the best videos of like these old classic cars, typically yeah. running around Monza. He must live in Italy or yeah. something like that. But yeah. yeah, it's like you don't see the new stuff, and and when when it's there, it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, you hear mm-hmm. like I swear like, to God, what the, the hell is that? <laughs> the BMWs, both the GTP car and the GT3 car in IMSA. You hear more like aerodynamic wind noise, mm-hmm. and maybe even tire noise than you hear like of the engine. You hear like a faint whisper, yeah. kind of drone, and that's it. It's it's honestly it's really sad because my whole life I I grew up wanting a BMW M car because they made the best engines, and then the best sounding engines, just the most interesting engines. You know, like I grew up. It's weird to say that, but like. You know, think of like uh, E60 M5, yep. that kind of thing where you're just like, yes, this is amazing. Even the E46 done right can sound yeah, very, had, very good. They had the E92 race car, the Z4 race car. It sounded amazing. Um, 
And then now it's just like, I could care less because you're just like, what is this? Right. You know, it could be a diesel for all I, I can tell, you know? Yeah. Well, hell, I mean, some of these cars now sound worse than the diesels did from the Audis. Literally. I, 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 was, I got to see the R18s, or uh, I don't know what they were. They might have been. I don't think they were R8. Yeah, they were pretty sure it was R18 at the time. Um, and I got to see those cars, and they honestly sound like you said, like the turbocharged cars now. Mm-hmm. Pretty much the same sound level. Yeah. Which is just weird. Right. I don't even know how they do that because it's not like they have mufflers or anything. Yeah. I, I, so anybody that's The still... 963, you can basically, the exhaust pipe is tiny and it just comes straight off the turbocharger. Mm-hmm. And it's just so quiet. Right. Well, I mean, the turbocharger essentially acts as a muffler. Yeah, but you've seen 962s. Yeah. They don't sound like that. No, they don't. Well, and that was, that was exactly where I was going to go next is those of you that are still stuck yeah. around listening to this, <laughs> the, like my biggest piece of advice i can give you is go to an hsr event go to an hsr event and go watch the like we've been to the 24 hour the historic 24 hour at daytona multiple times the sounds are just so good yeah so good there are so many unique just the the entire because the race you could not care less about but seeing the cars go around you're like okay that's an iconic car i know that car but also what is that and it's just like every time they're going around, it's something new. It's something unique. It's something special. You're like, I can't imagine that that event 20 years from now. <laughs> yeah. Because if those things aren't running or they're museum pieces. Well, there's a lot of people that are acquiring sort of these new modern GT cars and they've got nowhere to run them. Uh, and I think for one reason is that they really haven't changed much mm-hmm. given the amount of time that they have been running. Um I mean, I feel like we've been seeing. I mean, granted, the some of them have been updated, but like you said, the Huracans and the AMGs. I feel like we've seen that face for a while now, yeah, and it's, it hasn't changed much. And so, like, if you have one of the older versions, like, what what series is running a classic GT3 class, right? You know, um, but uh, but yeah, before that, the older FIA stuff. I mean. Go go find somewhere where you can see old FIA like fiberglass Porsches and that kind of thing, and that's just that's the best. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Um, you get real appreciation. They look great static too. Yeah, oh. you get such an appreciation for motorsports history, um, and you then appreciate stuff like Goodwood, even just to watch the stream or something, because mm-hmm. it just looks they're just wheeling those things. Yeah, um, that is one one thing I will say that I do think it's getting worse as as it, everything appears to with age uh but formula drift is still doing a very good job of getting extremely creative with their builds you're seeing weird ass things go into that series yeah i mean we've seen a 599 we've seen a 911 gt2 the aston martin from yep yeah we've seen the aston i mean obviously you've got every japanese car you could possibly come up with help uh i think Somebody's still running a uh, Corolla hatchback, which uh, is like which is weird. But yeah, whatever. But I yeah, there's a lot of creativity in that series. They're just like, yeah, let's just do this. I wonder. Okay, cool. I wonder if everything, not to put a a downer on the whole thing, maybe have a positive spin on it. I wonder if having everything be GT3 regs, it will hopefully open the door for manufacturers because it feels like less risk to do more interesting things. I think the issue is that you can't do something like the Z4 
where you put the M3 engine in it and call it, you know, your Z4 race right. car. But that's what I want. Exactly. That's what I want too. And uh but I also think manufacturers aren't willing to make those kinds of cars anymore. They would rather make the uh Cadillac Watkins Glen IMSA Black Flag edition and just change the wing colors and stuff. Yeah. You know, like that's what they'd rather do. You know what it is? It's the culture of the people that leave the uh the splitter tabs on their challengers and chargers. Yeah. That's that's what's taken over. I don't know. Maybe maybe there's some hope. It's like I feel like I used to be one of those people that was like, it's not a type R unless it's seam welded. You know? <laughs> yeah. Seam welded and ha- has has uh, independent rear suspension. Right. If it doesn't have those two things, then it's stupid. Yeah. I think that's what's been lost, although I think some of that is creeping back in, um, but I think it's going to be too little too late by the time regulations and just the modern way of going about business creeps in and I mean, just kills it. That's a perfect example is look at what they call a new Integra. Like, yeah, it's a Honda Accord. Yeah. It's literally a Honda Accord. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I saw that, and I, had, I like literally squinted at it when I saw like the story. I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. Like, how are you, gonna, how are you gonna make an ITR out of this? Yeah, who are you lying to? Yeah. <laughs> like, come on! But that's all cars now. Like, yeah. I like uh, you know, BMWs, the C classes, like everything is one size up of what it used to be. Yep. Yeah. Which is really unfortunate because small cars are way better. Says the guy with the Miata and S two thousand. Miata's gone. So. Well, that's true. Yeah. So three, uh, three fifty and yeah, yeah, and an S two thousand. So much bigger. Yeah. Hey, the three fifty is a good size. It's like old nine eleven size. Yeah, that's true. But um, but all right, I think we should call it there. We've okay. gone plenty off topic, numerous times by now. No, never. So we would never do that. I don't. <laughs> you're crazy. I did have some Formula One stuff. Um, but I think we'll save it and talk about that later. Okay. Uh, and we'll just call it. Leave this one be a short one. So works for me. All right, nothing else to add. So thanks for listening. Uh, if you want to follow us, it's Motorsports and Focus on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Otherwise, see you next time.